you know what? I'm one of those guys that I just love to be roasted. Make fun of me and just I'll laugh with you because the truth is my joy is to be connected to you. It's not about how much hair, hair I have. By the way, if you didn't notice, got a little do different, got a, got a better do this morning. See that? See that shine? It's all that, this like little, little, little white glare there. I went to cut my hair this morning, or this week, and yes, I cut my hair. I have more than one. Some of you are surprised on, both, on two fronts. One, that I cut my own hair, and two, that I have more, more hair than one. I cut all of them. But my, my, the razor I usually use had, had a broken piece, or the, the one I just bought quit working, so I had to go back to the one that had a broken piece, and I'm trying to measure up and figure out, which, that looks like this clip-on, and that, I think that's about the sign. It went, and by the amount of hair that fell, I knew that the two clipper attachments were not the same. So I went, well, and then Dawn roasted me, See, this is what I'm saying. I just love being roasted. She roasted me. She came into the bathroom with me. So I'm going, <laughs> She starts laughing. And she says, you know what? You could do a mohawk. That would be awesome. Just go, And I'm like, this is great. See, I'm not looking at the mirror at the moment, so I'm not faced with reality. I'm thinking, mohawk. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, that one. I think that would, I might be, I just might do that. And then I turned around to look at the mirror again, and I realized that my hair doesn't start to way back here. And I thought, that'd be an awful short mohawk. It'd be like a mo hick. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. So we just finished trimming around. and like, hey, it looks good. But the greatest joy of my life is to be connected to you. To be in relationship with you. And so having, having, having my, my papa say, but then there's Tim. <laughs> See, I had a prophet come uh, from South Africa. This is way back. This is, one, this is before I lost all of this. In fact, the first thing he did when he got up to start prophesying over Don and I, he talked at me and he said, hey, what, what happened to your hair? It looks like it's a beach. It's waving goodbye. <laughs> I went, I'm not sure I like this prophet. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say, babe? Do you have any idea what I was going to say about that prophet? What was I, what was I talking about? Hair. Something about my hair. I have no idea. Oh, I can't remember what I was, it doesn't really, farm animals. Oh, we're going way back to farm animals. <laughs> oh, I better leave this whole train and get right to it, huh? Because I have a word from God for you. I have the word of the Lord for you. And I'm looking right at that camera. I know there are those of our church, our family, that still have not been back in the building since COVID hit. And I know there are others who are visiting us. We've got people around the world watching what we're doing here. Do you realize that? Do you understand that we're not just a, see, I, I know, we're, we're not, we're not living in a bubble around here. I know, and I hear the comments from time to time and people come and say, well, you know, as if somehow we, we don't, we're, we're just 
fat, dumb, and happy, and we don't really know that we're in, stuck in the back corner of a shopping plaza. I understand that this isn't the end beat all place to have a church or the best visibility. And listen, I don't, it's not about anything I choose. This is, these are just steps that the Lord has us on. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can judge ourselves by the outward and man doesn't look by the, man looks by the outward, but God doesn't. He doesn't judge us by the back corner of a shopping plaza. He looks at the heart. And the Lord sent prophets when I have been in my formative years to tell me that I am going to do things with you in your latter years that if I told you ever all those details now, it would blow your mind and it would mess you up. But I'll tell you this, I'm going to send you, I, I, I'm going to send you around the world. And I want you to know there are people watching today that will be watching in other countries because they're, they're connected to the fathering and anointing that comes out of this house. We've had more chatter around the world about this book than any other thing that we've produced. If you don't know, let me just rattle you for a moment. You're not just part of a little church that's insignificant in Lexington, Kentucky, meeting in the back corner of some shopping center like we don't know or who believe who we are. That's not who you're connected up to. And I'm not, I haven't gotten to the word yet. I'm just... Come on. Mm. I have a word for you. Mm. Pray with me. Jesus, it's what you say that matters to us. <laughs> yeah. We so appreciate the books that we read and we're gonna get revelation from what you fed to Pastor Don as we read this new book. We're so grateful for that. And we read the Bill Johnsons and the Todd Whites and we, we read all these books and we're, we're grateful, Lord. But if you don't speak to us through, the, through those things, if you, your voice, isn't what we hear, it won't matter we want to hear your voice Lord Father I'm asking you that you would do what you said you would do through me all of these years all of those prophetic words all of those anointed hands laid on my head Lord throughout 55 years of my life. God, I'm asking you that even now, those would come to a cumulative total today. I'm asking that you would put in my mouth a fire that would do justice to what you spoke to me as it reverberated through heaven. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he just, told, he just asked me, this is, this is the relationship we have with Jesus, right? He said, would the sound of many waters do? <laughs> That's why I chuckled. Yeah, Lord, that'd be awesome. So we ask for the sound of many waters, Lord, upon your word, that your word would, wow, like the waves 
with power and grace all at the same time come crashing into our lives. Speak, Lord. We're listening. I ask you for ears to hear, Lord. You've anointed our ears already. And I'm asking you, God, that our ears would be, a, would be receptive and able to hear. And Lord, I thank you that what you're going to do today will be life-changing. It's in Jesus' name I pray. I'm trying to think, is there any other way I can build this up for you? Just, to, just for, for my own pleasure. All those human mechanics don't mean a thing. I, I, I know it, but I'm just, I'm just, see, what could I say or do? I've been in just a wonderful season with the Lord. I'm currently in Genesis chapter 16, starting chapter 17, just in my personal time with the Lord. And I've been, I think I've gotten into 16 chapters over the last 20 weeks. It's been the first of December the Lord started this journey with me. And it's just, I just, I don't know. I, I, nothing against those devotionals. And we have a couple back there for sale. Should I do a little plug? Nothing against those. But dear ones, if you haven't found the treasure of just having him take you by the hand and say, son or daughter, let's let's walk through this verse for a moment. (laughs) And I'm just in the normal course of my time with the Lord. And things have been building and I knew the Lord was doing something in me. Not looking past, not trying to, listen, I, I, don't, want anything to, I don't want anything to rob me of that sacred moment with him. So I never go into those looking, Lord, you know, what, what do you have to say to everyone else? What can I preach out of this? It's never on my mind. And so it was a surprise to me Monday morning when Father started to speak and my heart rose to attention and I knew that out of this thing that he had been walking me through, he had something to say beyond just this tender journey between he and I. He had something to say about who we are and where we are and what's about to happen to you, for you. What moment in history are we living? Where are you in your life? Where are you in the plan? I don't know about you. I'm 55. I had a plan. I was working it. But if I judge my life by that plan, I'm pretty much a failure. But see, I, you know, I'm an I'm a, I'm a A-type personality. I've got enough C in my personality. I had the one-year plan, the six-month plan, the three-month plan. I had the three-year plan. I had the five-year plan. Listen, when I started in ministry, the Lord gave me a vision. And I, this is one of the things I love about the prophetic. It's about seeing. What we hear causes us to see. Habakkuk says, climb up and see what I'm about to say to you. 
So when God speaks to us and he gives us vision, it causes us to have clarity of sight. And I went into ministry with this, I had this, I could, it could have been a wall chart. I never blew it up that big, but I, Don will tell you, I've got this, I mean, the Lord gave me all this, I, so many things I have never had an opportunity yet. It just hasn't been time to share with you. Do you understand that I'm carrying a publishing house inside of me? Do you understand that I've been carrying a conference center inside of me for 35 years? I know that we will have a conference center. And I'm not just talking about a conference church. Listen, I love conferences, but I hate conference church. Conference church builds believers that thinks that we, we should live in a service on the high top, uh, the mountaintop of a conference frenzy. I hate conference church, but I love going to conferences and having God. Like, you know what I call conferences? They're those Joseph or Jacob and Jabbok experiences. That's a conference. You know what it's like, don't you? When you go, I went, the Lord sent me on a journey a year, a year ago in August. And he said, I want, I'm going to take you on the road to Emmaus. Remember what happened on the road to Emmaus? This is going to be a little choppy. You're just going to have to follow me. Listen, and babe, I just, you know, just throw up a flare. If I start something and forget it, don't finish it. I'm moving on. Just like, hey, what was that thought back there? Help me out, okay? I, I, just, but this, I don't care. This, I'm just going to give it to you. The Lord sent me on a journey. He said, I'm going to send you on a road to Emmaus. And you know what happened on the road to Emmaus? Disciples of Jesus who knew him walked with him and didn't know he was with them. Disciples of Jesus who knew him. They were disciples of Jesus. They knew him, and yet they didn't know it was him. And he was walking with them. And he, you know what it says? That he took the scripture and he unpacked the scripture about himself to them. Oh, oh, I know what the road to Emmaus is all about. And he said, I'm going to take it to journey. I'm like, whoa, I'm about to hit the wall of revelation. And he's about to unpack for me who he is. And then they invited him into their house. You remember that? They arrived. Jesus was going to go on. And they said, no, no, why don't you stay and, and eat with us? Well, you talk about what is the revelation scene? Behold, I stand at the door and the knock. This isn't to the world. This is to his disciples, to his church. I stand at the door and knock. What's he wanting? He wants to come in and eat with us. And the road to Emmaus, those two disciples said, oh, don't go on. It's, come eat with us. And they took the bread and asked him to bless it. Let me just, let me just, let me help you out here. If you ever want Jesus to actually show up for you, Get your bread out and ask him to bless it. What's your bread? Man does not live by, but by every, what has God said to you? You, you, you get in a place where you can't feel, see, or, t or, or touch him. The heavens seem like brass. Listen, there are seasons in all of us. You want to actually have God in the flesh, the Son of God, appear before your eyes and come up close to you. Listen, they, they walked with him and didn't know it was him, but they put bread out and said, would you bless it? And when he blessed it, their eyes were open. We knew our heart burned inside of us. It was what we just shared, communion, that opened their eyes. They had been in that scenario with Jesus before. Poor Jesus. So the Lord sent me on a journey. 
one of the first places. And he said, by the way, he said to me something really strange. If you know me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a romantic guy, but I'm not nostalgic about things. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a particular, a guy who just, uh, I have to, I like the things that I have and they mean so much to me and I got to keep them. Like it's, it's not who I am. I don't place a lot of value in things. So I've never been the guy that's been there, done that and actually bought the t-shirt because I don't care about the t-shirt. You know what the Lord said to me? I'm going to send you on this journey. I'm going to send you places and I want you to go get what I am sending you there to get and you buy a t-shirt. So you know what? I came back to, I came back from Pensacola, Florida, two years ago in August with a T-shirt. And the Lord sent me several places in the last eighteen months, and I've every one of those places, I went through a Jabbok experience, and I bought the T-shirt. But I bring up Pensacola because I'm in Pensacola. It's a big arena. This is this the CF CF CFAN conference. Uh, it's it's re, re, remembering the well of Pensacola Revival. The Lord sent me down there. And, and, and you got to know me again. If I'm not that kind of nostalgic tied to things, you know, I'm, I, I'm not the guy that just goes back to Pensacola because, woo, Pensacola happened. It's not me. You're not going to find a company man inside of this body. I, I, we're, not, we're not part of a company and we only drink from one well. It's like, oh, Bill Johnson, Bill Johnson. I love Bill Johnson, but I don't worship him. And you can fill in your big man or woman of God in that place. So I didn't go to Pensacola like probably 95% of the other people that were sitting in those seats. Big auditorium. But I'm, what, I, what I want to tell you is I went, and in the middle of all that stuff going on, I had a Jabbok experience. Because it's not the crowd that moved me. I, I went looking for Jesus. And Jesus met me, and I'm telling you, it was just like those disciples must have experienced on the road to Mass. Those encounters have led me to today. This devotional time with the Lord in the last 20 weeks in the minutia of the creation story the book of beginnings in Genesis has led me to today. The Lord said to me, it's Sarah's time. Don't worry, you don't have to be there, I am. (laughs) And it's my privilege to help you get there. But the Lord said to me, It's Sarah's time. So let me take you on the journey. Turn to Genesis 11 with me. (laughs) This is going to be so fun. Genesis 11, let's start at verse 27. The first thing I want to say to you is that your family matters. If Sarah is going to ever have a time, what am I talking about? A barren woman giving birth. Uh, let me just, I'm a, maybe, maybe it'd be good for me to start at the altar call. 
We'll just give you a preview of what's coming. I know I'm looking at people who are carrying those Habakkuk visions. They've, you've climbed the wall and you've heard God say something to you and it's crystallized some vision in your mind and you have this thing, this plan that you're working or this dream like Joseph that you've got this coat on, it's, it's a favor of your father and you've had these dreams and you, you just are convinced what's gonna happen and time passes and time passes and stuff happens and Potiphar's house happens, and there's a pit that their brothers, and all this stuff happens. What are you doing with the dream? Sarah was barren. I'm looking at a lot of people in this room because I know I've said it often and I I absolutely believe it. I'm convinced with everything in my heart. The Lord said, if you do what I ask you to do, I will pull people around you who are going to change the world. So when I look at you and I say, you're a bunch of world changers, it's not from some religious thing back there or Pentecostal. Whoa, you're world changers. It's because God said to me, if I be faithful, if I would faithfully live out what he, what he said for me to do, he'd pull people around me to walk with me who are going to change the world. And that's what I'm looking at this morning. People who by God's design are sitting in this building or watching through this live stream. And you have, a, you have been called. You have been spoken to. You have a destiny. And maybe, just maybe, like Sarah you need a miracle to get there. Ain't no mountain high enough, no valley low enough. Oh, maybe that's your spiritual testimony, but your natural world, you've bumped into no valley, sure looks low enough. Or a mountain. Gosh, I've been climbing and climbing and climbing. How often? I mean, how far? I mean, how big? I mean, how long? I mean, I, I, I'm still like down here. Still, I mean, I, and our soul starts doing calculations. How are you going to get there, Ryan? All those things the Lord put in your heart. Rod, how are you going to get there? I mean, from here to there. I mean, you and I, we're about the same age. You know, we got all this thing. It's like this stuff behind us. Like there, there's like years and decades stacked up back there. How are you going to get from where you are today to that mountain when it seems like there's still this much ahead of you? I just want to tell you, the Lord spoke to me on Monday and then again on Tuesday morning before our lead team. And it just, it's like all of heaven echoing his voice inside of me. It's Sarah's time. You're about to have a baby. You're about to do something that you are not capable of doing. You've never been capable. And all of your experiences are prophesied and and made sure that you know right in front of your face that you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough inside of you. The people around you aren't caring enough to get you there either. You're about to become pregnant. And you're going to have a baby. (laughs) This is the gospel of Jesus. 
but your family matters. So that's this, I'm going, I just have a couple things to lay out to you. The first is this, this concept that it matters what family you belong to. Now, before I get here, I just want to hedge my bet a little bit. See, we live in a world that's all about tribalism. And that's why if the color of your skin matters and depends on which march, which march you, you join, which protest you're anteing up for. I'm not talking about pr- tribalism. But if you think for a moment that the, that the family that you're part of doesn't matter, you don't know God. Let me say it again. You don't know God if you don't have a very real understanding and value for the family that he's put you in. What father are you connected to? I'm not, I'm not really talking about natural because we don't get to choose those things. But see, I start saying these things and people say, oh, he, he's, he's trying to make it about him. He's trying to really just tribal this like destiny, destiny. When have I ever been about destiny, destiny, destiny? Please tell me. And the honest truth is I don't talk about destiny enough. The honest truth is your father, the father of this house, Destiny Community Church, has not made a big, big enough deal about the value of this house. Well, that's going to change. Valuing me does not devalue Dawn. Valuing me does not devalue Nancy. So valuing destiny as a house, as a church, does not devalue Church of the Savior. Come on. Your family matters. If Sarah had not been connected to Abraham, she'd have been barren the rest of her life. She'd never have had a baby. Just seal out of that for a moment. Well, God, I don't really know about this, and I'm only here for a season. I don't really know, and you may be just here at Destiny for a season. Maybe you're just watching for one service this morning. You're just checking it out because you just found us. Doesn't have to be a life commitment. But if we don't value the moments and the p- people that God sees us into, even if it's just for this moment, I don't, I don't know how long you'll be at destiny. This isn't a message trying to get my, my claws in you to keep you forever. That's not what I'm saying. But what we have done is lost the value of context of family. It's just me and Jesus. We preach a gospel that's you just, it's, oh, you get Jesus and it's you and Jesus. Yes, it's you and Jesus. And you need to know who your identity is. But your identity is almost powerless without the value and context of your family. I can't tell you how many people, I'm a father. I raise up sons and daughters. I can't tell you how my heart has been crushed as I've watched sons and daughters also shaped by the culture. And so when they get raised up and I speak into them and, and they, they get an understanding of who they are and their destiny and they understand their spiritual spidey's power, spidey sense, you know, I'm like, <laughs> the culture and the values of the culture are so strong. If we're not careful to wrestle against them, they will conform us. And I've watched them run out the door and I've watched them lose the power of their spidey sense. Because they got their thing and now they're going to go do their thing because, you know, they don't really need us anymore. What is that? I'm not hurt. I, ble- I love, I bless, I, I celebrate. The problem is we lose, when we lose the value 
of context and family, we actually, listen, it took 120 in an upper room for that Holy Ghost experience to happen. They were with one accord, in one place, with one voice. It took the one voice of Solomon's temple, and it says what's so powerful there is that the, the instruments were all in one accord. The voices were all in one accord. What it means is that like, like what we're trying here, listen, we're just like seeing darkly, and I mean, we're, we're, we're doing, but what they did was with excellence. It was worth the value. They had a value for the family. It was worth that, 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 that diligence to give it all so that they could get to one voice. And it wasn't until the one voice that, whoa, God came so heavy in Solomon's temple that they couldn't even worship anymore. You think it's a coincidence that it happened the same way on Pentecost? It's the context of togetherness. Drew preached this message about family last week, and if, we don't, if we're not careful, we're just like, oh, yeah, it's our individual. Yes, be, be amazing in your individual natural family, but if you're missing it here, let me tell you, you might be a Sarah, and you need to have a baby. And that doesn't happen outside of family. My heart's so full. If I don't, if I don't get back to the word, I might never even read something here. Let me see. Genesis eleven twenty seven. This is about family, right? This is the account of Terah's family. Whose family? Do you even know who Terah was? I mean, we spend our days studying Abraham because he's a father of faith. Do you understand it wasn't Abraham's family? Please do this with me. Let it happen, please. Please think a brand new thought that maybe you've never thought before. This wasn't what we, what we make it to be. This was Tara's family. <laughs> Abraham would never have become who Abraham became without the context of Tara's family. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in here. This was Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. And if you kind of missed this, let me just help you out. See, why is Lot involved in Abraham's life? It seems like Abraham and Lot were almost in par. Well, Abraham was the, fa- was the brother of Lot's father. So Lot was Abraham's nephew. But Haran, his father, Lot's father, died. So you know what happens in natural family and happens in spiritual family, Lot became an equal to Abraham and Nahor. And that's why throughout the story, you see Lot kind of be on, being just like moving and shaking with right alongside of Abraham. Well, who is he? He's a nephew. Uh, dear ones, I want to tell you what. If, you, if you're going to hook up with me in this house, there is no false ceiling. I don't care if you are female. The sky is the limit for you. There's, there's no system that you have to, oh, I'm a nephew and I gotta keep my place. Listen, if you've ever been around, if you've really rubbed shoulders with me, you know it's real about me, it's true. I don't, listen, my greatest joy will see, to see, be to see you raised up and, and own the place that God has made you for. So come rub shoulders side by side with us. But Lot was raised up because his father died. 
story goes on. Verse 28, but Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees, the land of his birth, with his father, while his father, rather Terah, was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. Boy, that's, you talk about a mixed up family thing. I don't have no, I'm not even going to try to figure that out. Verse 30, but Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Verse 31, one day Terah took his son. Let me pause for a water break. Took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, the son, uh, the, his son's Abraham's wife, Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped in Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Listen to me. What's it to you if God wants to speak to you out of the genealogies? A word, the word, that will change your life forever. We camp on, we camp on these amazing phrases of scripture. And sometimes the reason that they become what we camp on is because they're easily regurgitated and make us look more spiritual when we can say them to other people. That was free. It wasn't in my notes. It's free. This is the story of Terah. And the word of the Lord came to me through this story for me and this house and for you. Through a genealogy. Verse 1 of chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you and curse those that treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Look at what Abraham did because he was connected to the right family. Remember, we're not talking tribalism, but it matters what family you belong to. And if you don't understand that and have a value for that family context, here's, here's, here's why that's so valuable. You know what you might miss? Jesus said, here's a principle in New Testament. If you, if you receive a prophet in the name of a, what kind of reward do you get? If you don't understand the anointing that's on your family, what kind of a reward aren't you getting? If you don't understand the kind of calling that's on your spiritual father that's in this place, if you don't understand that, what kind of reward are you missing? What kind of lack are you living in your life because you just simply haven't valued the family God has put you in? This isn't a me thing. It's not a build up the destiny structure thing. This is about you as a son and daughter who are living as a son and daughter in this house, actually having full advantage of what God put in this house. See, here's, I teach our leaders, this is how anointing and authority works. You have an authority as an individual, but authority is cascading in the kingdom. I'll just take a moment and tell you this. This is, this is what I'm talking about here. This is why your family matters. 
Anointing and authority are cascading. Yes, you have an anointing and authority of, of a believer as yourself, but why wouldn't you have, want to have a double portion of anointing? We get all, then we go out and we do our things. We don't, this is our culture. Our culture in America is like we don't need anybody. We don't need authority. We don't need government. So now the mantra is let's just tear it all down and build it better. Are you kidding me? You've, you don't know God. Literally, it's the spirit of Antichrist. It's why I can't march with that. We don't know God. What kind of anointing are we missing if we don't discern the prophet that's leading us? The authority cascades. So when what I tell our leaders, listen, you have an anointing authority. I, I met with uh, the Boykos. I love these two. This couple, they're leading our youth. He was up here last week. He's like, oh, we got this thing going. Well, there's going to be more context. Don't worry. You'll understand. Water break. By the way, isn't someone who fell down the steps and severely hurt his back moving quite well this morning? <laughs> Jesus is exactly who he said he was. So we, we met with them, and they said, hey, we've, we, need, we had a need. And they said, hey, we got one. I think we, we're carrying it. So we met with them. And this, he'll tell you this is what I told him. We want you to bring everything you've gotten. We want you to become the Abraham under in Terra's family. We want you to carry what you have and bring it. But here's what, here's what we're offering you. You don't just get to carry what you have. You get to carry what I have. So what I have is an anointing. When you stand in this house to lead, I've delegated authority to you. Now you have your own authority and you have my authority. That's cascading authority. The water that falls over, it just builds until it gets to the bottom. And then the pool is refreshing for everyone. That's what family does. But if we don't value family, we carry our own anointing. It's all about me learning who I am. And I've got this anointing. I've got this big gifting. And if I could do this and I want to be around them because they're like it. And I can learn more about how I do it. Well, that's part of the equation. In fact, that's elementary school. You hadn't even got to middle school yet if you're staying in that mentality. That's why the Lord said to me about 11 years ago, when we took the 12 years ago, we took the lead here at Destiny. He said, I'm going to begin to send you and sow you into the streams of my kingdom here in this continent. And he named three specifically, you don't need to know them, but he said, I'm going to send you there and I'm going to, you're going to begin to, begin to walk in those streams and I'm going to begin to re, put, side, put those streams inside of you and mold and meld them together and I'm going to produce a new stream out of you. Cascading. Benefit from belonging. I still relate to all three of those streams. I haven't even told you about it. Because it's not about making the family great. Oh, that Pastor Tim, he's awesome. Hey, that leadership structure of destiny. Whoa, that's, that's. Listen, you know it's not all, all that around here. We have not yet become what we shall be. But we're going to be. It matters what family you're in. Let me say this, and I got, for sake of time, I got a lot here to tell you. I can't tell you all of this, so I'm just going to, let me say this. This is the anchor point here. 
Have you ever realized that Abraham wasn't the first man in his family to hear the voice of the Lord in direction? Who left Ur of the Chaldees? It wasn't Abraham. His father, Terah, had been hearing God all along. Is it Terah? Did I say it right? Terah. His father, Terah, <laughs> I carry this treasure in earthen vessel. Help me, Jesus. See, so you cut off your hair. I am. I, see, I did always relate to Samson. I cut my hair off, and I think I'm, my memory might be gone. Too. I don't. Thank you, Jesus. His father, Terah, it doesn't say this. There's no chapter 12 where we see God coming down and saying words to Terah. But it says right there, we just read it, that Terah moved his family out of Ur of the Chaldees and he was heading for Canaan. What was, what was Abraham? This is the journey we credit to Abraham. What if Abraham's journey actually started in the calling and heart and destiny of his father, Terah? Wait a second for a moment. So, hmm. Hmm. Tara moved his family from Ur of the Chaldees. I'm telling you because he heard God say, I want you to go. See, when, when we get to chapter 12 and it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives. Do you know that Tara had already accomplished two of the three? Do you think God just made that up after Terah did those two? And he went, oh yeah, I think I'll tell Abraham to do one, two, and three when one, two, one and two are already done by his father. No, that was God's plan all along that God laid on Terah, the father. But it says, it's interesting, it says in um, verse 11 that he moved away from Ur of the Chaldees. I'm sorry, not verse 11, verse 31 of chapter 11. Terah moved away from the Ur of the Chaldees. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but stopped in Haran, and he settled there. So the only reason that Terah's family, including Abraham, didn't end up in Canaan before that is because Terah, not because God hadn't been speaking, God had been speaking. Terah just happened to stop and settle halfway. Do you know anybody like that? Listen, I tell Jim all, all this, this all the time. Jim's my spiritual papa. I've, I, I, I've t I tell him, I don't tell him this all the time. I tell, tell him frequently. There's a reason I still follow him as a father. There's only one, one reason. Because he's still following Jesus. He didn't settle in Haran. It matters what family you're in. Abraham's family brought him to a certain point. God, Abraham, stepped in and began an inheritance that was already cultivated in his family. And we think Abraham just appears out of nothing and he's the father of faith. And we think I'll just learn what, who I am and out of nothing I'll become and I don't, you know, it's, it's about me. All those things God promised said about me. I'm going to have the word of the Lord in my mouth. They're all true, but they didn't start with you. It's awful quiet in here. Your family matters. See, who's your father? Let me ask you this really important question. Who is your father? 
Now he's our father. At one point, Jesus, Paul said, yeah, listen, you don't, or Jesus, you don't have any other father but him. Don't call anybody else your father. And yet we see Paul, Timothy calling Paul his father. Paul calling Timothy my son. So which is it? No, don't call any earthly man your father, or it is. Which is it? Well, there's only one spirit. And one father of us all. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. One Father, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? But just like there's one shepherd, he's the shepherd of our soul. Aren't there under shepherds, according to Timothy and Peter? So don't get hung up on the term father. We're not blowing men up to an, an idolatrous position, although that has happened, God forbid. But who is your father? What's he carrying? It ought to matter to you. See, I would hope that there's a reason you're sitting here and it's more than just, I just had a, an ooey, ooey gooey Holy Ghost feeling that I needed to come to destiny this morning. Dear ones, that's not the father I know. He doesn't lead me that way. Oh, it might be that way to get me in the door. But here, there, no, that's not. No, he sets the single solitary in a family where there's a father and a mother, multiple fathers. Why? Because he's helping me, not hurting me. I get to start where they left off. I get a cascading anointing. I get to call, I get to carry an anointing that I never cultivated. Jim Davis cultivated that anointing and he's laid hands on me and I'm carrying who I am and I know it's amazing because I'm in his image, but I get to carry Jim Davis's anointing on top of my anointing. You think there's a devil I'm afraid of, maybe by myself, might be tempted to believe, but you start understanding the context and value of what family you're connected with, and there's no devil in hell that will ever cause you to be afraid. And we, when you find yourself like Sarah in this genealogy, unable to have children, your heart's still singing a little tune. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low Sorry, I just got a little groove going on there. What direction has God given the leaders of your family? What covenant promise? Do you know what covenant promises I'm carrying? You know, these are questions I don't know that I've had many, of, many, of, many people ask me. You know what they ask me? Hey, most of the time people come in the room and when they think they, they know who they are, hey, hey pa- pastor, it's great to meet you after service. They come up, hey, it's great to meet you. I just wanted you to know, I felt like the Lord led me here. I'm a prophet. Boy, does that change the conversation? Because I didn't start, hey, I'm the pastor. Make sure you know you're in your place. That means shingmo right here, shingmo. I'm the, I'm the deal. If I started my conversations like that with you, you'd know what was important to me. So when people come in here and they go, oh, hey, I just wanted you to know I'm a prophet. 
I go, okay, awesome, love you. Love to, love to partner with you, see what God's doing in your life. But I've already figured out what they don't value and what they do. I pretty much know they're still stuck in elementary school. Oh, it's really quiet. Didn't mean it to be quiet. Let me tell you, let me tell you who you're connected with here. Again, we're not, it's not tribalism. I'm not trying to get you to like me or like this or say, oh, Tim is great. I want you to understand that there's something to pull from in this house. I want you to know that you're not alone and there's an anointing that's cascading down into your life and you don't have to have enough on your own. Borrow some of mine. That's why you're here. Woo! Wait, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do the karate kid thing. You might have to listen to some instruction, wax on, wax off. I don't know, what the heck am I doing this for? I've done it, listen, I've done Mr. Miyagi, I've done this 12 days in a row. Just keep waxing on. See, we don't know what we don't know. Let me tell you something about who the family that God's called you to here. God said to me, to me, the first weekend I'm in Bible college, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. My direction, my, my life was going in a single direction. I was sure that my identity was wrapped up in the music ministry. That's what we'd done. We'd traveled as a family. We had, I'd been in contests and came in third in the Pittsburgh area. And boy, and I'm thinking, wow, I go to Bible college, you have this travel. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do tryouts, baby. Whoa, I'm, I'm, oh, I am going to arrive in music ministry. And the Lord said to me, the first weekend, he said, you can have that if you want it. And my heart sank. Because I, I, even as a young man, I had already learned when the Lord gives me that kind of option. And he spells out what I've already had my heart set on all along first. I know, I knew immediately that was probably not the best option. He said, you can have that if you want. But I'll put my word in your mouth and send it around the nations if you lay that down. I want you to know that you're connected to a man, a house, a family here that is carrying a promise of God that the word from this house is gonna impact the nations. Now, who are you again? I, I, I think I remember somebody's talking about a world changer or something like that. That's what I carry. That's a covenant promise to me. Do you belong to this family? You have a different anointing on your life than just what you carry for yourself because you're attached to me. Because you're attached to this house. That's why the prophetic word is so powerful here. Listen, it's not just because we have prophets. A lot of places have prophets, but when you have a prophet with a call and anointing that God said, I'm gonna put my word in your mouth and it's going around the nations. It's gonna have a different kind of influence. I'll tell you what he said to me. He said, you're gonna be a prolific writer. Listen, we're called in this house to produce things. Why do we have a book coming out? Why do we have books on the table? It's like, oh, they're trying to be something. No, we already are something. We know who we are. 
I don't need a book to tell me who I am. I don't need a little sign. I don't, I don't need any of that. But the Lord said to me, he sent a prophet from South Africa, and he said, you're going to be a prolific writer, and you're going to be a voice to the nation in the years that lie ahead. Listen, I'm going to tell you, some of you are here. You don't even know why you're connected to be here, but you're connected here because of the calling on your life to write. There's a calling on your life to produce video and content, and you didn't even know because you, you maybe didn't know that about me, but I'm carrying a covenant promise. I'm telling you, there's an anointing that you can pull from that isn't Tim Cole, it's God in me. And it will take you someplace further than just yours alone. That's why Abraham became who he was. He had an anointing to carry on and draw from. I want to tell you one more thing. So, so there's an influence to the nations. That's a covenant promise that this church carries. There's an influence to the nation. You'll be a prolific writer to, and with a voice to the nation in the years that lie ahead. And then he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to birth a regional training center out of you. Listen, I, I tell you, I, I, there's so much I've never told you. Because it just—it almost doesn't seem appropriate yet, right? Here we are. We're in the back corner of the thing, and, and we got you know seventy people here in the building. We got COVID. It's—I mean, we were. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it just almost doesn't seem appropriate to talk about owning a conference center with a hotel where we have an intercessory team that's praying through the rooms every night. It almost doesn't seem, it seems like inappropriate to tell you that we have a dream for the arts, that we want in this conference center to have a full first class theater, that we provide amazing pictures of the glory of God for paid entrance because it's such high quality. It almost seems inappropriate to talk about all these things. I want to tell you, you're connected to someone that's, that the Lord said we'd raise up a regional train. So we're, we're going to the nations, nation, international influence. We're going to be a voice to the nation, national influence. We're going to have a regional impact. It may be the first time you've ever heard those things. Your family matters. Here's the second thing. It's going to take some growing. And I, I, between 12.1 and chapter 16, where we get to Sarah's story, there was a whole lot of growing in Abraham. Have you noticed that um, the, this family has some dysfunction in it? I hate to do this, but I'm going to do the old Pentecostal thing. I can just imagine the glisten that's coming on the screen. Have you, have you noticed there's some dysfunction? There might, might be a little dysfunction still around at Destiny. Again, I'm still amazed at people that come in. And we, we want you to come. Listen, the things you see, your eyes are valuable. But just be careful that you come with a, with, a, with a pure heart, a clean attitude. The truth is, if you don't think we've probably seen, we're already seen most of the things that are wrong around here, you'll dishonor us when you come. Hey, you know, we really need an amazing, powerful children's ministry around here if we're going to grow. Well, duh.
See, if you're not careful, that's an indictment from you to me as if somehow I didn't realize that I'm an idiot and I don't really care about kids. If you're not careful. See, if you're not careful, what actually is in your heart actually comes out. We know that to be a regional training center, to have regional impact, there's a whole lot of things that have to change around here. But here's the thing. God grew Abraham... And in that growth, he grew a family. You know, it says, it says in, in two, four through, or 12, chapter 12, 4 through 6, that he, he, he actually, Abraham started out with a wealth. He had provision from his father being with his, connected to his father's family. Started out with some wealth. Then it says in 12, 7 that God began to speak to Abraham. Abraham started getting his own covenant promises. Because Terah, his father, already had him. But now it became, it became an inheritance. Abraham, listen to this. Abraham became an heir of what his father had. That has to happen first before Abraham can have his own heir. Do you know, if you want to be a father... The best way to be a father is to learn to be a great son. Abraham was a good son, and he became an heir of the promises of his father, and that God started giving him his own promises. 12, 7. And then we see God giving God, uh, Abraham, prospering him with more and more provision. Chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, he just, ex- he just grew in wealth. Chapter 14, he prospered Abraham with power and with influence. Uh, uh, Jim read this this morning about, about, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. 318 servants in Abraham's house. They go kick four kings' butts. Four kings in their armies. 318 servants in Abraham's house. What kind of power and status was God building and growing in Abraham? And Abraham didn't even have an heir yet. Abraham wasn't even close to fulfilling part of the promise, the most important, the most significant promise that you'll be a father of nations. And finally it came out of his heart, Lord, how can I be a father of nations if I don't even have an heir in my own house? It was the thing that everything was leading to, this thing this baby that wasn't and couldn't be. But between this family context, God grew Abraham through wealth and provision and power and influence. We come to chapter 16. Look at chapter 16 for a moment. This is where the Lord began to speak to me. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't where we'll end. This is the, this is the brief stopover with a couple caveats. Here's the stopover, this is the dilemma of Abraham. And I put in parentheses Sarah, because really it's Sarah's dilemma, but this is Abraham's family. And Sarah didn't get the covenant promise, it was Abraham. Sarah got it through Abraham. So here's the dilemma, chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. What what did we read at the end of chapter 11? That's right, verse 30. But Sarah was unable 
to become pregnant and had no children. What if what God has promised you actually can't happen in the natural? Let me me say this. I say this often. If the vision that you have for your life, you can see, actually see yourself being able to fulfill it, it's only a part of what God has for you because it's too small. If you can see a way to fulfill this, that this dot equals that dot, and this, 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 yeah, yeah, that's great, awesome, I'm going to do that, then you can do that without God. I have been living in over my head. You know the phrase, in over your head? since I was 10 years old with Jesus. At 10, I I said yes to Jesus, and I began a spiritual journey where night after night, I would be met with spiritual dreams. And I I knew what it was to wrestle in the heavenlies when I was 10 years old on my bed all night long. And God began to give me pictures of things that were yet to come. And I've been carrying a DNA, a destiny, and a visualization of what God wants us to build right here called destiny or whatever we call it. Who cares? It's about the family. This regional training center that's going to have a voice to the nation and an influence in the world. And I've been carrying this pattern. And, and dear ones, I just want to tell you, at the, at, still to this day, it looks impossible. And that's why it shook me when I heard God say, it's time for Sarah. (laughs) Because the impossible things that have been obstructions in the way, the minuses in the ledger that tell me and prophesy to me that I'll never have enough, we'll never get over this, it'll never build to that. I mean, mean, look, we got no one. We don't have enough to to man the, I mean, everybody knows it's gonna take a great children's ministry for God's sake. (laughs) And we look around and we make announcements and this isn't a downer. I'm not trying to say, hey, you all should have, I'm just saying, it's just where we are. There's no judgment. The truth is we're, we're 70 some people in an auditorium during a COVID experience. But dear ones, if you have not recognized that we're dealing with impossibilities right in front of our eyes, let me just tell you, I'm looking at a few Sarahs this morning. And if all I had to announce to you is that God sees you as Sarah, that'd be kind of comforting. Just little. But God said, tell Sarah, it's her time. It's her time. So Abraham had a dilemma. Here's the dilemma. Do you realize if you carry any vision at all that's, 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 that God has put on your life for any responsibility outside of building for your, for your own natural family, do you understand that most often God puts requirements for that vision to be fulfilled in other people around you. And you're gonna have to depend on people around you who don't physically have the capability to produce what your vision needs. Good. So good. Please think that thought. 
I don't care what you're called to. I don't care what, oh, I'm the nations or the nation or a regional or my family. I'm telling you, what you are going to need is bigger than the resource in your own house. In your own life, you're going to have to rely, like Abraham, on someone that God brought to you. God, God brought Sarai to him. I'm looking at people God brought to me. Oh, there you are. Woo. Yeah, these world changers out here. Abraham had the dilemma of understanding that the vision and covenant promises that God gave him required the person that God brought to him to be able to do something they were physically unable to do. Do you know how many church leaderships have failed because there's ne- just never is enough? Never enough people, never enough volunteers, not, not enough money in the offering plate. And I mean, shoot, when we have another meeting, there's not enough people that actually care enough to value enough to actually be here and show up. Do you understand how many church leaderships fail? How many leaders in Abraham's never become fathers of nations just because of this one dilemma that we're come face to face with the reality that it's not enough that I bring everything I have. I stand here today and I recognize I'm looking at Sarah's and the only way that the destiny God has put in the promises he's spoken over my life and the only way that's coming is if I look at my Sarah's and know someday their day is coming. And I want to tell you with everything in me, God said to me Monday morning, it's Sarah's time. It's time for you to have your baby. You see, you might, you might think that's for my destiny because you remember what I said. Abraham was faced with needing Sarah to perform and produce what she couldn't ever naturally produce on her own. You might think this is like, whoa, Tim's happy because he finally, if he can finally get you to do your thing, maybe his thing will happen. That's, that's not what this is at all. See, I don't think it was that way for Abraham either. <laughs> he had loved this woman for so many years. And she couldn't have a baby. Do you understand the pain of being intimate with someone that you love and staying in that close, intimate pain with them? And I, dear ones, I want to tell you, I, I have, <coughs> pardon me. I've had conversations with somebody and I've heard your heart. And I know you're carrying something that looks impossible. And this father, listen, we're going to, what God said will be what it is. And and whether it's my lifetime or your lifetime or someone else's, it's going to happen to my generations are going to fill it. I don't care if it's me. I want you to know that I'm excited in what happened inside of me on Monday is I know your story is about to change. I know, I know some of those heartaches are about to, mourning is about to turn into dancing because it's Sarah's time. It's time for you to know the reality. I'm talking about the real experience of what you've dreamt for. Anybody interested? 
See, there's one other dilemma that I got to tell you before I, we just wrap this up. We're going to get to chapter 21. We're just going to read a couple verses there. We're going to finish this up and I'm going to pray over you. See, there's another dilemma and it's Sarah's dilemma. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Sarah allowed her experiences to write her theology. See, when God promised the son to Abraham, you remember that she, she couldn't do anything but laugh. Why? Because, look, even God said it about her for everyone to know two times before we get to the 16th chapter that she was unable to have kids. Sarah had a dilemma. She had allowed her experiences to write on her theology. She says in 16.2, the Lord, she comes to Abraham with this plan. And I can't tell you how many times I've done this. But I'm done doing it. This is the same self-reliance that wrecked it all in the garden. Comes to Abraham with this plan. The Lord, and it's based on this one theology that had been written on our heart from our experiences, not from the finger of God. She said, Abraham, the Lord has prevented me. Before we're done today, I'm gonna pray over you and and Holy Spirit's gonna take his blood-soaked eraser and he's gonna erase all that theology out of your heart because the Lord has not prevented you of one single thing. If God has has given his son, why would he withhold any good thing from you? See, that's, that's, that's not even bad theology. That's like treacherous theology. The Lord has prevented me from having a son. So Abraham, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you my servant and you can have a baby, a son, an heir through her. What we're willing to believe about and blame on God will determine how many thorns are allowed to grow in our garden. Where does that twisted theology come from? Most often from our own experience. I've been there, done that. I tried that and God didn't come through. I prayed that prayer and I put my heart out there and the Lord knows how sensitive and tender. Do you not think for a moment when God came to Abraham and said to him, I'm about to give you a son. Sarah's listening in a tent. You know what Sarah does? She laughs. Do you not think for a moment how tender that moment was to God? He knew that she had been carrying this desire all of her life and she had finally resolved and resigned that it was over and she wasn't going to have it and she's just going to be okay. But God had the audacity to come on a Sunday like March 7th, 2021 and look you in the eye and speak a word to you and say, that baby is still coming. But if Sarah's going to have a baby, she's going to have to have that blood soaked eraser wipe away that bad theology. Well, let's land the plane. You all okay? Oh, Jesus. You know, I, I have prayed. I used to pray. No, I don't pray anymore. 
used to pray that God would make me like somebody else preaching. Because I know not everybody likes this. I don't like this rambunctious stuff. That's not me. I mean, what well, is me, obviously. Hello, but, uh, but this is not the kind of preaching I'm drawn to. This is just what comes out of me. I used to pray for years, Lord, change me. And, and so what is that? That's not a caveat. That's not me trying to like, oh, I wish I was. No, I just want you to know I'm okay with myself. And I want you to be okay. And even if this isn't the way you'd like to receive it, would you just give me a little grace and hear the word of the Lord that's going to change your life? I'm, I mean, my throat's raspy already. It's like I'm, last time I did this, I couldn't talk for a week. But I'd rather not talk for a week and see Sarah have her day. So last thing is Genesis 21. Sarah's supernatural breakthrough. Verse 1, the Lord kept his word. (laughs) There's a Selah moment. There's coming a day in your very near future that your testimony will be God kept his word to me. I don't know, I don't know everyone in this room and I haven't heard all of your, the deepest desires of your heart, the things that God has pr- promised you that you've not shared with perhaps anyone. Or maybe you're not in my close sphere and I haven't heard those things that you would share with your friends. I, I know you're carrying them. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, the Lord said to me on Monday morning, Sarah, it's Sarah's time. And I'm telling you that the testimony of 21 verse 1 is going to be a a lived out testimony of yours and mine. The Lord kept his promises. He kept his word to Sarah. And he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. (laughs) See, what happens in our hearts, and I know we get messed up because we think, we, we get a word and we, we, we think it through and, and it gets so visualized so strongly that God may do it this way and it doesn't fit this and we're, we're still disappointed even though he does it. I know that can happen. But here's what happens. We do this, we do this, uh, this uh, gyration in our heart and that the experiences start writing on our heart and we start dumbing our theology down and now we're afraid to dream the, the details. I want you to know when it's Sarah's time, God does exactly what he said he would do for you. I mean, to every last detail, you've heard it in the New Testament, every jot and tittle, Jesus was talking about the law. Nothing's going to fade away. It's all going to be fulfilled. I want you to know if God cared that much about the law that passed away, and it was an old covenant, in this new thing he's given to us, nothing will be left undone for you. Not one single thing. Everything God said to you is coming your way. Sarah's about to have a baby. Oh, this is a big deal and much bigger than it might initially seem apparent. See, because it's not just about Sarah. We started with family. Oh, help me, Lord. Because this has gotten so twisted, we, we, off, we just shut our ears off when we start hearing these things. 
Too many families have been an anchor instead of an engine. And I can't promise you there will never be a day that destiny as a house and a family won't actually feel like or be an anchor to you. I can't promise you that's not in my heart. That's definitely not in God's heart. And if that's going on, you better believe Holy Spirit knows how to talk to us. And he knows how to give you eyes to see and a mouth to say something about it. And there are those in this room that have come to me and talked to me about those kind of things. And they'll tell you the testament, their testimony that we're going to change things if that ever happens. But I can tell you this, that the Lord's put you here in this family for this family to be an engine on your plane. You get to choose. You want to be a glider? You're at the mercy of the wind? Whatever breeze is going... It can be a nice, peaceful ride. And some of us just need the peace because we've been in so much chaos. And so we'll settle for just a peaceful hand gliding experience with Jesus. And that's okay too. There are seasons and time. If you're hurting, if you've been abused, if you've been part of a family that was an anchor, and you're just like, this is like the biggest risk of faith ever just to be in, 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 in something like this again. And then by all means, please step onto the hand glider. And stay there as long as it takes for your heart to be healed. But I know I'm looking at some folks that are past the hand gliding, gliding experience. I know I'm looking at some folks this morning that have been called to do some pretty big things for Jesus. It says that God did, he kept his word and he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Sarah's breakthrough is not just for Sarah. It was for the family. Dear ones, I know who I am in Jesus, and if it's just me and Jesus, God's gonna raise up people out of nothing to fill that children's church back there. But that's not his plan. He'll do it because he made a covenant promise to me. He's going to do it. No doubt. And I, we've talked about, can we fill in any, whatever you're passionate, outreach. They're, out, they're doing outreach yesterday. And you know, we, Don and I, we're here, we, we're doing, we're setting up new equipment. We, I mean, I, I didn't have time to go on outreach. My heart was breaking because I knew they're here. And I was like, ah, oh, finally here. And I, can, I can't even go. Fill in whatever ministry is on your heart. It should be the like the, just like this, this all we need. If we just had this, the church would grow. I want to say to you, God would do it for me. If no one ever steps up, he's going to raise people up because of a covenant promise to Abraham. But you know what his plan is? To give you, a Sarah, a baby. And you know what your baby is for? It's not just for you. It's, for the, that there's, it's so that there's an heir in this house. An H-E-I-R in air right here. Who's going to be willing as a Sarah to look God in the eye and go to that place that's so tender 
that we may have walled off because it's hurt so much, but we finally walled it off just enough so that we can be okay and still walk with Jesus. Let me tell you something. God has something better planned for your life than just to have a wall. God has a baby. And when he gives you a baby, it's going to be a baby that becomes an heir in the house. You don't know how God's going to build a little church in the back corner of a plaza into a regional training center that has a voice to the nation that influences the world? How's he going to do that? When this house is full of Sarahs that have had babies. (laughs) See, first the natural, then the spiritual. I'm telling you, that children's area is going to be full. I'm telling you that nursery is way too small. First the natural, Paul said, then the spiritual. I'm telling you, it's coming in the natural, but I'm telling you that is only going to be a symbol and a sign to us that our time has come. And in the spiritual sense, we will be walking like Joshua and Caleb on our mountains. Give us our mountain. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. See, without Sarah's breakthrough, Abe's life, his vision, his promise, and his legacy ends with him. Think of it. So true. Without Sarah's breakthrough, the father of our faith would have never been the father of our faith. We have never wanted to, nor will we ever build a ministry around Tim Cole. Only around Jesus. See, because I know something very important and very valuable to me. If we are successful in building a ministry, a church, a family around Jesus, then your part is as valuable as my part. We may have different roles. We may do different things, and we will. It's 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right? But your part will be just as valuable. And in fact, if you don't bring your part, the legacy of the family won't go on. So this is bigger than just you and your baby. This is about the legacy Father's building right now in planet Earth, and he has given destiny a piece of that legacy. So Drew, we, we just finished this series on relationships. We talked about friendships and marriage and assignment relationships, and we just finished up with family. What a perfect addendum, right? This is what, it, what family means on a church scale. What it means to me is the people that I love don't have to be barren anymore. I I, I tell you, it's true in the natural. They call me the baby whisperer. I could just like, oh man, it's true. First the natural. Why has God made me that way in a natural way? Because that's who I am in the spirit. Believe with me the word of the Lord today. 
And then give me the privilege to whisper to your baby when they come. Ah. Thank you, Lord. I want to do three things. They're quick, short. We're, we're going to be done. It's, I've kept you so long. This is probably, it doesn't matter. I, I could care less. Love you if you need to leave. Honestly, need to leave, leave. I bless you. You're not going to disturb anything. We're family. We're going to do three things before we leave. The first is this. If, if, um, if you are an Abraham carrying a promise that's bigger than you, no one around you seems to have what you need them to produce in order to get what you're going, where you're going. If you're an Abraham, what am I saying? If you're aware of an impossibility in your life that's in the way of you walking out the promise of God, this is really specific. I'm gonna ask you to do it right, right here, right now. You don't have to get up. I don't, in fact, I don't, I don't want anybody getting up and moving around. I want you to build an altar right here. See, when God spoke to him, a covenant, the first time the covenant promise comes from him like it came to Terah, but this time now it's Abraham's promise in 17, or not in, in, uh, in, thir- in 12. The first time it comes, you know what it says that Abraham did? He built an altar and he worshiped God. Your way through the impossibility will never be self-reliance. It'll never, God's never gonna ask you to roll up your sleeves and do more. Hear me, listen to me. This is not a message about you volunteering for children's church. It's not about you rolling up your sleeves and doing more. This is about you hearing the promise, the covenant promise of God and doing what Abraham did. If you are facing an impossibility to get to walk out your covenant promise with God, I want you right now, wherever you are, I want you to build an altar. That's what Abraham did. What, what is it doing? What are you doing? You're signifying to God and to yourself and to everyone around you that what God has said is holy and it's above me and beyond me and I am not responsible for it. I just believe it. Build an altar right here, right now. Lord, I'm going to worship you, and I'm not going to focus on the impossibility. I'm not going to focus what is the great gulf between me and there, the valley that's so deep, the mountains. I'm not going to focus on all that. I just hear the promise, and I believe you because it's you, God. I worship you. I worship God Almighty. I worship you right here in the midst of the impossibility. Take a moment and build your altar. Jesus. While you're building, listen to Genesis 17, 1 and 2. God came and spoke again and renewed the covenant with Abraham. And he said, I am El Shaddai. 
God Almighty. Which means the God to whom there is nothing impossible. That's who I am. Build your altar to that God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Come out of agreement as you're worshiping the Almighty. Come out of agreement with any of your self-reliance. Disappointment in yourself. If you just would have done more, if you'd have said more, if you'd have prayed more, if you'd have, if you'd have, listen, it's not God to look back at an election that you thought should have been different and said, if we just prayed more, it just means we didn't pray. Are you kidding me? Come out of agreement with self-reliance in your life. Quit blaming yourself because it hasn't happened yet. It's not you. It's not you. He's the God with whom there's nothing impossible. He's El Shaddai. Worship him. Come out of agreement with self. Come into agreement with El Shaddai. This is the second part. And this is going to probably require a little action. If you feel and identify with Sarah this morning, you may have let your experiences write bad theology on your heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we live in self-reliance, we're faced constantly with the failure of, I didn't, couldn't, it'll never happen. If that's you, I want you to be, be bold enough to stand to your feet because Holy Spirit is gonna take his blood-soaked eraser right now, right now. Today, before you walk out of this place, God is going to wipe away that bad theology. Those views of him that aren't accurate. Stand to your feet. Any defilement that you're carrying, this the sense of ick or shame, that if it wasn't me, it would have already happened. If it's somebody whatever, that sense of shame and defilement, if that's you, stand to your feet. God's going to take his blood-soaked eraser and wash that away this morning. And listen, this is not about you doing some kind of air quote repentance deal. All repentance means is I'm tired of thinking my own thought because the truth is God has gotten me nothing but death. So I am so ready right now in this moment to exchange my death thought, that bad theology, with what you think about yourself and think about me. That's all repentance looks like. There's no groveling. You don't have to. It's just, Lord, you take that thought right now. Give it to him. Any sense of shame or defilement, just give it to him. Lord, I don't even know what to do with it. I don't, you may not even know how to give it to him. Just, just, just release it. So, Lord, I don't want it anymore. I let go. I open my hands. First the natural, then the spiritual. I'm just doing it naturally just to remind myself, this is what I'm doing, Lord. I'm just I'm letting my grip off of that thought. I don't need it to feel okay anymore. 
just because I couldn't explain what happened. I, I've, got a, I've held on. No, no, I don't need to explain it. I'm not okay because it did or didn't happen. I'm okay, I'm okay because of who you are. El Shaddai, Lord. So we release that, that thought, that shame, that defilement, Lord. We release it to you. And I thank you, Lord, right now that you said you were going to wipe that away. And so, Holy Spirit, we just give you freedom in our hearts to just use that blood-soaked eraser and wipe that theology off our hearts. That we won't, we won't be tainted or twisted anymore. Thinking thoughts about what, the, what I should have done or should. Shame is not our portion. It's not our identity. But in its place, Lord, we've already built an altar to El Shaddai. Now, Lord, we latch on to El Shaddai. This is about the God with whom there's no impossible thing. This is about you, Lord. It's about who you are. I thank you for cleansing us right now, Lord, and washing us clean. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's how we end this thing. And it's gonna maybe require just a little more action. If you're a Sarah or an Abraham, and you need a miracle to step into the promise of his covenant with you, whatever it looks like, I want you to come right up here. Come up here, right here. Oh, if, you, if you are a Sarah or an Abraham and you need a miracle to get to your promise, to get from where you are to where God has put a dream in your life that you know that's your mountain to walk on. If that's you, come right up here. Just, just form a couple lines so that there's separation between the lines because I am actually going to come along and I am going to lay my hands on you and I'm going to breathe life into Sarah before we leave this place. I'm going to ask uh, our, our uh, leadership team, Jim, Don, any of our elders that are here, if, if you're not coming to respond, I'm going to ask you to come and help us. If you need a miracle, listen, I, I've read it from a couple of prophets echoing it, and Don will, Don will tell you, I've been saying this, the Lord spoke this to me about four months ago. You remember, there were two lepers outside of the city. There was a siege against Jerusalem, and they finally came, they couldn't go in because they had leprosy. They couldn't get food. They were hungry. They were dying. They didn't have food. They couldn't eat. Impossibility. There was a, an army out there, so they, they were stuck. They finally said, instead of dying, why do we sit here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? That's how I learned it in the New King James. Why sit we here until we die? I want to tell you, if you're still sitting there, there's still room for you. It doesn't mean you have to come. It doesn't mean you're carrying something. There's an impossibility. I'm just saying, if you are, I'm saying to you, why sit you there till you die? Why be willing to go to the grave, barren, when God's promised Sarah a baby? Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> come, 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 you're going to help me. Come up front here with me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, for the sake of the live stream, we are just going to bless people and pray for people. I just want to speak over you before we do this. Is this okay with you all up here? You're going to get your miracle. Listen, I'm going to tell you. If you're a Sarah or Abraham today, I prophesy to you. 
what the word of the Lord came to me on Monday morning of this past week, that it's Sarah's time. It is your time to see God bring into your reality, into real life, into tangible form, what he promised you that might have been impossible all these years. You may have waited for years, it doesn't, or maybe a, a week, it doesn't matter, I'm telling you. If you're a Sarah Abraham, I prophesy to you, your day is coming. I, I, I say to you what God said to Abraham, that by this time next year, and as I'm saying it to you, I'm just going to bless you and thank you for joining us today. I'm going to say it to this room right here. I'm telling you, I want you to get your faith around El Shaddai. And I'm saying to you what God said to Sarah and to Abraham by this time next year. Here's where the wiping away of the defilement really matters. Because now the courage is to be intimate with Abraham again. The courage is for you to come close and let him touch behind that wall because he wants you to carry the child of promise. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm telling you, in the spirit I see in my heart, I hear the cry and the sound of a nursery that's full, filled with babies. So I'm going to just release a team, and I'd just like you to go and prophesy. Just go speak the life of God into the womb of Sarah. And is it okay with all of you? I know your name's not Sarah. Is it okay with you? We just call you Sarah. Can we just call you Sarah? Can we? Can, we, can I call you Sarah? Is that okay? So it's going, going. We're going to come around, and we're going to prophesy to Sarah because that's the word of the Lord. Sarah, your womb is now fruitful and unlocked. Produce the promise of God. Okay, so just let's just go along and prophesy. You just, just release the word of the Lord.